0: we mm-hmm. Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is a death-defying woman who's making big waves on the magic theater circuit. Gabriella Lester is my guest. We discuss her role in the IBM, the shows she's doing in Vancouver, and her taste for danger. Nick LaCapo stops by the show to discuss the feature product of the week from John George. Before all of that, we kick things off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians have a serious think about the literature they would like to be lost at sea with. This week, the bubble magician and upcoming feature act at the Magic Castle, Meadow Perry joins me for Desert Island Magic Books. Meadow Perry, thanks for joining me on the Penguin Magic Podcast for Desert Island Magic Books. Let's suppose you get washed up on a desert island with one magic book, and it's made of Tyvek, so it's not going to fall apart in the wind and the rain and the sand. What is your Desert Island Magic Book?
1: Uh, so this one's going to throw you for a loop, probably, because it's not, it's not quite a magic book it's a little adjacent okay um because i love the concept of brain science and psychology with misdirection and magic so my book is the man who mistook his wife for a hat
0: i do know this book because i have (laughs) face blindness
1: um oh you do yes oh my gosh i love this book so much it is fascinating to me please tell
0: our tell our listeners about this book because I love that this is your desert island magic book uh, but yeah. for, for a wide variety of reasons I'm very excited now please tell our audience about this book
1: <laughs> absolutely so this book uh, uh, it goes into like neuroscience um, and neurological conditions um, and complexities of the brain that there there's things that we take for granted every day like, Uh, recognizing faces Um, so one of the cases in the book is uh, this man who couldn't recognize faces so often he would go to grab what he thought was a hat but it was really his wife's hair the title is his her (laughs) face but it was really her hair that he would keep going to grab towards um, because he didn't recognize that there was a person his wife mm-hmm. in front of him. Uh, but there's all sorts of different weird neurological conditions um, that are in the book and cases that uh, the, this doctor uh, I, and that his name's escaping me at the moment. I should have been more prepared, but uh, he uh, came across a, a whole slew of bizarre cases, things that you take for granted. Like if you reach into your purse and you're trying to find a chapstick um, and feeling around objects and being able to recognize what the object is based on, on touch. Yes. Um, we take that for granted, right? Uh, but that is an actual uh, complexity of the brain of trying to interpret uh, what we're touching and the shape of things. Um, yeah, so that that's basically kind of it in a nutshell. But, um, you know, how our brain sort of prunes out different information and that's why misdirection works really well. So I it's a great like magic adjacent cool weird book.
0: It really is. So the book is by a man named Oliver Oliver Sachs, uh, who is a, a really yes. wonderful clinical writer. And the 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 sort of marquee story, the man who took his wife for a hat, is uh that's a condition that many people have called pressoprognosia and you can have it to varying degrees. Um and essentially what it is is an ability to uh, connect names with faces. And in really severe cases, you just don't recognize people at all. Um, which is, which is interesting. Uh, and then there's like, uh, I think if I recall correctly, the book gets into synesthesia, which is people who, uh, it's a neurological condition that I've wanted to explore as a magic effect, but it's like people who will like hear colors or see sound. Which yes, is, I, I, I many years ago, I went to a really fantastic art gallery, uh, uh, so an art exhibition of a woman who had synesthesia, and she painted the noises that she saw in different pl- It was really fascinating, uh, because it was like a visual interpretation of what her brain was doing. But I love that this is your Desert Island Magic book, yeah. <laughs> because understanding these sort of like unusual ways the brain can connect information can lead towards really incredible effects. And especially with yes. you as a bubble magician, I'm sure that like you, as you look at this, like the different ways in which people will interact with bubbles, it must give you a, a ton of inspiration.
1: Yes, it does. Um, I, I just, I love psychology, uh, sciences. And I, I, think that's fascinating. that's, that is the one thing that draws me to magic, um, is this idea of like, the misdirection being a psychology science. So, and, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of times where people are like, oh, bubbles are just science. That's not magic. But I'm like, well, misdirection is psychological science. Mm -hmm. So really (laughs) it's all science.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's a fantastic book that I think every magician should read. The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, Meadow Perry. Thanks so much for joining us here on Desert Island Magic Books. Thank you. Thanks so much to Meadow Perry for joining me on the show. I have an interview coming out with her soon, and be sure to keep an eye out for her shows. She does some cool stuff with Bubbles. Now, on to the main event. Gabriella Lester is a young woman based out of Vancouver, originally from South Africa. Many would recognize her from her phenomenal appearance on Penn & Teller Fooless, but I know her because she has been making serious waves at magic theaters across the country. She followed me at House of Cards in Nashville to rave reviews and utterly destroyed the parlor at the Magic Castle this past year. I caught up with Gabriella via Zoom, and now you get to join our conversation. Gabriela Lester, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. This is a long overdue interview because I first ran into you at Magic Live a couple of years ago and then more recently we got to spend time with each other at the IBM convention in Atlanta last year and in Blackpool this year and you are just out there tearing it up. Uh, And if our our audience has not heard of you, they will soon because you recently on Pen & Teller Fool Us, Correct. I was, yeah. With an, with an amazing straightjacket act where you sort of like made fun of Penn and flirted with Teller and it was it was really fascinating. But uh, you currently perform at the uh, Cabaret of Wonders in Vancouver with Billy Shue, the president of the IBM, uh, uh, Sean Farquhar and uh, Alexander, former president of the IBM, and you got there via South Africa. Can you... Tell us a little bit about where you came from and how you got there, because these are these are not like, this isn't like a local showcase you're doing. You're doing some pretty big stuff.
2: Yeah. Oh, God. Um, you made me sound really cool. Um, well, I was born in South Africa. I was only there for a few years. My parents just decided from really, like when my brother and I were really young that they wanted us to move here to be able to have opportunities and Less fear growing up, so we moved here. Um, I went to school here, so my whole life has kind of been in Vancouver. Gotcha. Um, And then when I was about ten, I saw Sean perform at my middle school, and like absolutely fell. Actually, I thought his performance was quite subpar. I don't remember much of it, but after (laughs) the show. (laughs) oh god this is recorded um i came up to him to get an autograph and he put the sharpie in his nose and pulled it out of his mouth and my 10 year old brain was like that seems like a really cool thing to do for a living i'm gonna do that so i fell in love with magic and um sean being like from the same area as i am we were kind of always i guess we were in the same magic circle so i saw him in passing a few times and i was just like this little kid like like i remember high school it's like i didn't sneak out and go to parties i was like sneaking to the basement to watch like videos of his fizz and performance. Like I was just absolutely <laughs> infatuated. Um, and then I guess just things progressed. And as I moved further with like my life in magic, Sean became my mentor. and mm-hmm. I've been working with him for a little while now, which is the coolest thing in the world.
0: It is, it is pretty amazing to to see the, the people that you're hanging around with. And it's no wonder. I mean, you're very good. I mean, like you actually, just recently I was at House of Cards and you were there like two weeks after me and I heard that you were killing it at House of Cards. What does your show look like when you're doing uh, performances these days? And I, and I ask you that because I know that you're into the big escapes and doing some dangerous stuff. So what does it look like when you're doing, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a bit, but what does it look like when <laughs> you're doing more of these cabaret experiences?
2: Uh, well, the cabaret show is a bit more like uh, parlor style, which I, I really like. I really like the venue because it's Sean's room, it's, it's Hidden Wonder, so mm-hmm. it's a really, really beautiful intimate theater um so i was doing there i usually do a similar set to what i was doing at house cards Mm -hmm. which is it's weird now like i'm in a headspace where i don't think that much about my material because i'm really working on like just being present with my audience and Mm -hmm. stuff which is something i couldn't really grasp before but it's a thing that i'm learning i guess um so in the cabaret kind of stuff i'm doing a lot of sean's material like i'm doing (laughs) sheer luck and i'm doing a lot of the stuff that he's kind of taught me which is a really cool thing um
0: what is it like having, I mean, so you, you've you had a pretty close association with Sean Farquhar for most of your magical life. And you know, I mean, you just described meeting him in middle school and then him like shoving a marker in his nose and it coming out of his mouth. How long after you started learning magic and going to conventions and hanging around other magicians, did you sort of realize who your mentor was? Ah. Uh. Like, do, do, you, do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I, like, I've yeah. known, like, I've known Steve Bargatze for years and it wasn't until like a decade into magic that I was like, oh yeah, I know Steve Bargatze. And people were like, you know, Steve Bargatze, that guy's a legend, right? Um, He's the best,
2: yeah. Yeah. And so
0: like, wh- kind of what was that, how was that experience for you sort of like realizing that your mentors was like widely regarded as one of the best magicians in the world?
2: I, I I definitely get reminded very often, like pretty much every time I go to any Imagine event ever, because it's my introduction of this is Gabriella. She's a Sean Parker student. And then they all think that I'm like meant to be good. And I'm like, Bleh. thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, everyone's quite surprised when they hear about it or they hold it in quite a high regard, which means I, I do, too. I still surprise myself. Like, like when I get a text from him and I'm like, oh, my God, it's Sean Parker. I'm like, you see him every day. Calm down. Yeah. But I still think it's the coolest thing in the world.
0: I, I don't want to take any take I don't want to ask that question to take anything away from your own accomplishments. I mean you've performed at the Magic Castle and uh, you know you, you didn't get there because somebody walked you through the door. You got there because you're good. I mean a lot of the stuff that you places you play are, are on your own merit. Uh, but I wanna talk about your fool us performance because you did a really wonderful straitjacket escape. How how have you gotten into these like bigger and larger escapes I mean that kind of seems to me to be a lost art particularly among you know people my age and and your age who are like a little bit on Mm -hmm. the younger side you just don't see much of that anymore
2: yeah oh god I mean I was really I guess for me pretty young when I started doing that and it was just kind of by chance um it was like I guess a coincidence happening in my life whereas I was researching, oh, I love magic history. So I was going down that rabbit hole when I was like 13 or 14.
0: Sorry to interrupt, but this week, the show is brought to you by Beyond Perfect ESP from John George. Nick Lacapo joined me via Zoom to discuss this incredible ESP prediction effect. Nick, there's a magician I used to hang out with when I lived in Los Angeles who is a pretty smart cookie. His name is John George, and he's got a really great ESP matching effect called Beyond Perfect ESP.
3: This is another great one that I think is not under the radar. I'm looking at it right now. It's got 147 reviews. Yep.
0: That's a lot
3: on Penguin. That's a lot of reviews.
0: This is one of those plots that mentalists love and magicians love too. And Yeah, I love it. Yeah. The, the, you, you get a special set of gimmicked ESP cards that John George teaches you how to do this effect with. And keep in mind. The ESP cards, the plot is you put down a card, then they put down a card. And you always put your card down first. And at the end, when the cards are turned over, the order matches.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's that 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 ESP test is such a fun trick to do. And it's completely impossible when you're putting your card down first. So you have one of the five. You, you both have matching sets of ESP cards. The circle, the cross, the wavy lines, the square, and the star. Uh, they have a blue set you have a red set or vice versa and you put you just choose one of them put it down face down they choose one of theirs and put it down face down and then you do it again until all your cards are gone and with no like adjustment if that makes sense to some of you because like yeah. there's a lot of methods a lot of people have thought about this trick this is one of those where there's like the yeah, people methods out people there. been
0: through this one pretty thoroughly yeah.
3: Sometimes you need to do a little bit of a shift uh, here. Yeah. Not with this trick. Nope. Not with this one. Um, You just, it doesn't make any sense. You just turn them over and they match. So it really is uh, beyond perfect. Uh, I guess that's why it's in the title, right?
0: Yep. Uh, You know, he's an international champion of magic. He's really put the work in on this one. And you can tell because it's super easy to do and super fun to perform. Beyond Perfect ESP by John George. Check it out. That was Beyond Perfect ESP by John George, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, the spectacular listeners to our show receive 25% off the featured product of the week when they enter a special discount code at checkout. This week, that code is SYMBOLS. That's SYMBOLS, S-Y-M-B-O-L-S, for 25% off Beyond Perfect ESP from John George. That code is only good for Beyond Perfect ESP and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Gabriella Lester. How how have you gotten into these, like, bigger and larger escapes? I mean, that kind of seems to me to be a lost art, particularly among, you know, people my age and, and your age who are, like, a little bit on mm-hmm. the younger side. You just don't see much of that anymore.
2: Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, I was really, I guess for me, pretty young when I started doing that. And it was just kind of by chance. Um, it was, like... I guess a coincidence happening in my life whereas I was researching, oh, I love magic history. So I was going down that rabbit hole when I was like 13 or 14 and then discovered the world of Houdini and all of that. And at the same time, um, my school had started this organization throughout a bunch of other programs that was like uh, it was raising awareness and providing funds and food for children in developing countries that had severe acute malnutrition. And they were doing this big fundraiser event for it. And they'd asked me like, hey, can you do a a performance or something with magic? We just, we need to get people's attention. Can you come up with something? I think I was 14 at the time. And they're like, these children, they're trapped in their situations. Can you come up with something? And my 14 year old brain just put two and two together. And I was like, okay, I want to do a straightjacket escape. And I remember sitting at the counter with my mom in the kitchen and I'm like, Hey, mom, I'm gonna get a straight jacket and then I'm gonna hang upside down. And it's gonna like be really great. And she's just like, yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> not a chance. Um, and that was like five years ago this month, really. And that world was just completely different. And even now, like I never wanted to become an escape artist, but it just became this thing that I did. And mm-hmm. I don't think I realized how like unique it was at the time until now when people talk about
0: it. It's, uh, you know, it, it, I mean, it really is one of those things that I don't know many escape artists, like inside the world of magic or out of it. Where do you, I mean, where do you practice something like that when you're 14?
2: Uh, Well, when I first wanted to do it with like absolutely no knowledge, I would literally just go to like the playground and hang upside down on the monkey bars (laughs) and watch people look at me like I was like loony. Um, And then eventually found my way into like circus gyms and made friends with the right people. Mm -hmm. But it was it was hard because a lot of like the mentors and people in my life at the time didn't want me doing that at all because they were like, you're this you're you're cute. You love magic. You do card tricks like just stay in that bubble because they think you're going to steer away and go down that whole direction and give up on magic. Mm -hmm. And they are just like, it's, it's not for you. Just don't do it. And I remember like every time I tried to ask for someone to help their advice would always be to just not do it. So I didn't actually think for a long time that, you know, it was going to like play out the way that it did.
0: Do you think your early, uh, interest in escapes has led to you becoming an adrenaline junkie as an adult? I mean, your half of your Instagram is magic and the other half is you like racing, you know, motorcycles down the highway with your friends.
2: Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, a a lot of that interest probably comes from my dad. Mm -hmm. He was a race car driver. And so I think growing up, I I really, really like, I really like, he's got his racing simulator in this room. Um, I really looked up to him. And I, and I think when I started biking, it was really just another way for me to spend time with him. Like I knew nothing about it when I started and it just became this thing I I kind of fell in love with. Mm -hmm. So all kind of pieces together. People call me in a jockey. Jackie, she terrified a lot of the times so <laughs> I enjoy it.
0: As you look further towards your career growing, uh, do you find yourself being attracted more to sort of the large stunts and escapes and grand illusion stuff? Or do you find yourself more attracted to the magic side or looking forward to trying to marry the two?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I I think magic always has a special place in my heart. That's just tears above everything else because Mm -hmm. it's what I fall in love with and like this one thing that I constantly fall in love with every day. Um, So I think I want to have elements of both, but I I don't want to be locked in a box as the illusionist or the escape artist or whatever. I think I want to just try everything and do it all and maybe one day I find something that I really love more than anything else. But for now, I just, I like all of it. I like mm-hmm. performing for smaller crowds and bigger crowds. Like it's the same feeling. I just, I want to perform, but I think it's most important that I'm doing magic over.
0: Yeah. Songs. And then, uh, you do a little bit of assisting as well. Correct?
2: Not by choice. Not
0: by Okay. No. Uh, well, I was curious about that. Cause I know that you and I have worked on shows together where you have assisted other people, but it's definitely, yeah. it's, is that, that is like you stepping up and helping out a friend. Correct
2: yeah yeah I think for like when IBM was kind of just fill in for the spot, which is yeah. like, I'll, I'll do it if somebody needs it. I would never voluntarily mm-hmm. probably do it just because it's just not really my realm of things that I enjoy, but if somebody needs it, like of course, in the same regard of helping somebody.
0: You're part of this new fascinating generation of women who are taking the center stage in magic, and it's it's really exciting to see the innovations that are coming. Uh, out of all of these young women, not just getting into magic, but really taking ownership of magic and creating their own effects and forging a new way ahead. And I'm wondering what advice when you were younger, you know, if you hadn't come across a really amazing mentor like Sean Farquhar, you know, if you were, you know, in somewhere other than Vancouver, what mm-hmm. would what would advice would you give to younger women getting interested in magic and wanting to sort of head in the direction that you have?
2: God, probably the same advice I'd give to, like, young boys or anyone is just ask questions and perform as much as you can, like, everywhere. Like, I think the biggest thing for me was you're not going to do it if you don't have it with you. So carry a deck of cards with you everywhere. Just ask, like, just immerse yourself into the world because then you'll start to create and have it with you a lot. And then be, like, totally okay that you're going to fail a lot and get things wrong and mess up. And it doesn't mean that you're, like, any less of a performer and it doesn't mean you're not going to succeed. So be okay with the idea of failing, but don't let it let you fall out of love with it. And don't let it stop you from like moving forward.
0: You also have, uh, I I don't think a lot of people know this. You also have an interesting role inside of the international brotherhood of magicians. You are sort of in charge of a lot of the social media going on with the IBM these days. Am I, am I correct?
2: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah.
0: How did you get involved with the IBM?
2: Uh. I joined when I was younger when joining like the local magic circle where I kind of met Sean and all of those guys mm-hmm. and then just being within Sean's circle and his infamous presidential plan that I <laughs> should not be mentioned.
0: <laughs> I, I don't think it's very secret anymore. <laughs> as to what.
2: I think everyone can see, but yeah. it's okay. We'll uh,
0: so you run, uh, do you, you run the Instagram and a little bit of the Facebook?
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of people in charge of the Facebook, but mm-hmm. I'm primarily Instagram.
0: And what what are you seeing uh, on like are you are you finding that we're the, the us as members of the IBM are being able to attract younger and younger members and keep involved in new ways using social media platforms like Instagram?
2: Yeah, I think it's been great as a way of like showcasing a lot of our current junior, like of the teen seminar kids and stuff, because they're sending in videos for us to share and they're promoting stuff. And we started running Teen Tuesday through the IBM, which is like a once a month virtual jam kind of thing. That's been mm-hmm fairly successful as in like we set it at times and we have kids that on the other side of the world that are setting alarms at 3 and 4 a.m. just to join and hang out and talk magic for an hour, which I think is a really, really cool thing. So I think in some regard, it's reminded me, if not anyone else, just how passionate young people are about magic and that the fact that we have a space for them to go is really, really cool. So being able to connect the two is important.
0: I think it's really exciting. Some of the stuff you're doing with the IBM virtually, because one of those weird questions you get a lot you know, I'm the president of IBM Ring Seven here in Columbus and people were like, Well, you know, what does like joining the IBM get me? And I think that sometimes we forget that having this large international organization allows us to meet magicians from all over the world. And especially mm-hmm. now that we have like younger and younger people like you who are fairly tech savvy who are able to sort of like lead these new innovations, like the Teen Tuesday, where you can mm-hmm. have this virtual jam session where people you know, where kids in Canada, the US, England, Sweden, you know, Japan are all getting together to jam is really fascinating.
2: Yeah, it's been such a fun experience too. And and there's so many people that like we've never met or that just wouldn't have the ability to come to the convention. But now these kids, like we have a group chat and they're messaging each other every day. And when some of them were trying out for the castle, they're like wishing them luck, helping them with their nerves. They're sending videos and showing each other ideas. So just having that community, I think we really haven't tapped into before is such a beautiful thing because all they're doing is they're encouraging each other and they're all sharing the same passion. So it's such a great thing to see.
0: Well we're about out of time but before we go can you tell me a little bit about the show that you and Billy and Alexander are doing Cabaret of Wonders because you because the three of you are doing this like awesome fun new show that is like totally separate from Sean but in Sean's venue and maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about that in case they're ever in Vancouver and want to come see your magic
2: yeah for sure so the show's just over an hour um this month is taking place on a monday sometimes it changes like if sean's out of town, we'll do it on a weekend um and we're doing like 20 30 minute sets each for the most part because alex is away so much it's billy and i and then we'll invite a performer um and each month so it just kind of changes and we're just it's a space to try out some new material work with audiences and uh it's been such a great experience because it gives us the ability to like learn how to sell tickets and create our own show and put our name to something mm-hmm. um and sean's i think has stepped a little bit back where he's just this is your thing let it be your thing which has been really really nice and he had cabaret of wonders for a long time so when i was little i was like one day i'm going to be in that show and now i get <laughs> to do it every month and it's just such a such a beautiful thing
0: well where can people find out more about your magic if they want to find out about you online
2: uh, probably my Instagram is best. Any like YouTube, Instagram, yeah. website, but MySpace definitely not.
0: No, not MySpace anymore. Okay, just just yeah, making sure. Exactly. As the social media guru for the IBM, I feel like I had to double check if there wasn't MySpace. They they anymore.
2: checked. They made sure that we had that platform <laughs> too. but like, guys, no.
0: Gabriella, thanks so much for joining here on the Penguin. Magic yeah,
2: thank podcast. you so much.
0: That's gonna do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Gabriella for being on the show, and thanks to you for listening. Heads up out there, Magic fans. I have some show announcements for you. This weekend at Keller Comedy Magic Club in Erie, Pennsylvania, you can see the one and only Nick Lacapo. He'll actually be opening up for an old school chum of mine, Nathan McIntosh. It's gonna be a great show. I'll be at Keller's the next week, May 12th and 13th, and then I'll be at Mystique Dining Lounge in Salt Lake City, May 15th through the 20th. Plus, both Nick and I have solo shows upcoming at the P3 Magic Theater. Ticketing information for that? is available at p3magictheater.com. We love seeing penguin fans at all of our shows. Be sure to come out and say hello. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform that you are searching for advice on the best PC RGB lighting on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you're gonna have to do it by submitting to me your BattleBots World Championship bracket. Look, kids, I really think this is the year of Sawblaze or Witch Doctor. Witch Doctor switching to brushless motors makes it hit like a freight train. And I've seen Jameson Go driving Megatron, his 30-pound Amersaw, in spectacular fashion. Or you should just start a Robot Combat Podcast. But if predicting the outcome of 250-pound robot fightings isn't your brand of motor oil, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform.